Um, Perfect. So fitness journey. The fitness. No. Well, it's, hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Um, Today we don't have a guest. We don't. Yeah, we don't have a guest. But who knows? Maybe this is the kind of thing where a guest oh, might you know show what? up. <laughs> Would be, right? It would be perfectly in keeping yes. with this guest to show up. Well, in fact, and I wonder had, and wonder why we're here. <laughs> right, right. I had I had prepared I, I prepared for this this show that that is happening that's going to be a different show now um, by like re, re upping that story in my mind yes. and writing notes yes. about it. Um, but yes, so we'll save that for for when our guest actually arrives. But yeah, my fitness, uh, my my Don, I want to tell you about my fitness journey. Mm-hmm. So, so I've been, I've, I've been running. I've, we've talked about my, the Seven Eleven diet. Mm-hmm. We, we talked about my, um, this, this is over the course of the last year on the, on the podcast or so we talked about the, um, my, my, uh, uh, heart, heart issue. What was it called? Uh, bl- blood pressure. It's a heart. That's a heart <laughs> issue, right? Well, something like that. Yeah. The, it's got it the, is, well, yeah, your heart is pushing, uh, the blood. So yeah. yes. Right. It's got something to do with the vascular system. The, the, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, so I've, I, I have gotten all in on different eating and this is, and this is sustained now because really mm-hmm. it's been, it's been over, it's been over a year and a bit on the, on the eating and then fitness really took off in June of last year, 2021. Um, I can, I'm going to report some stuff today to you. Go for it. Go so for it. yeah, um, 133 miles in 2022. Since I started this, um, I know this is fascinating for everyone, except for how many miles? 133 in 20 huh. in, in since like in two months. But hmm. but if we go back to all time that I've been tracking, which goes back to last February when I started really focusing on things. Um, I am at uh, where I go profile statistics, um, uh, 571 miles, uh, 162 runs total. So I, I think that's pretty good. I think I'm doing all right. So, so what would it, would you, would you like to know how many miles approximately I've walked? Yes. Yes. I do. I do. I do want to know about 300. Oh my god! I don't know. I don't. But but yeah. But that's just like that's five miles a day, uh, seven days a week. Uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know uh, all the days yeah, of the, just, just walking, just walking all the days so, of the month. But but uh, but but I think you're in better shape. So back to my my fitness journey because it's this is about this is a podcast about me. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I did in in February between running and walking, I went 116 miles. So how does that match up for you? What have you wait say again? 116 miles in February. Oh, that's uh all, so all movement. That's running and walking. Yeah, so I'm I'm at I'm about so it's it's about it's a what did I say? It was about 300. So it's I yeah. mean this is just rough because I don't my app doesn't give me that information, but about 150. So okay. we're you're you're more active, but but not by much. But different no no, I'm less because I was at 116. Um, oh, 116. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, like I said, you're in better shape. I, well, I, I couldn't yeah. run, I couldn't run 50 feet. So yeah, but I couldn't probably like a two years ago, I couldn't run 50 feet. Um, but here's the most striking difference, Don, I'm mm. going to go to uh, no, no OPSEC. And hopefully this doesn't, uh, um, th- doesn't end up at my insurance company 
or whatever. Um, uh, what do you what do you use for your for your scale thing? I, I got the one I got is Arbo Leaf. Is that the one that you have? Do we have the no, same scale? Mine's a Y things. Yeah. Well, I think it looks the same. Okay. So mm. I am since June 20th, 2021, when I purchased my Arbo Leaf, I am down mm. um 32 point, well, 32.8 pounds mm-hmm. and a body fat percentage down um 3.6%. So I'm wow. I'm I'm currently, this is kind of the chaotic part of my well, I don't know, whatever. Um, I'm I I weigh less than I did in 11th grade. Whoa! Yeah, is that is that wild? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I um I I am I am like I've spent most of my life much over this. Yeah, really. In, in fact, since high school, I'd not been below two hundred pounds, and now I'm at a one ninety point uh, four pounds as of uh, yesterday. Wow! So so that's my fitness journey, and I feel yeah, I'm sleeping very well. I mm. lot, lots of good things. Lots of good things are happening. So good. But I'm, I, so I, glad, I, I'm so glad to hear it. I like to share my, st- I know you like statistics. I like, I know you like oh, I numbers. Do. I do. I yeah. Do. So, so that's, that's, that's where I'm at. And I just, I like to, I like to share. Sorry. I think you probably hear my fizzy, my fizzy water right now. Cause it's very close to the microphone. Um, so what's, uh, what's going on? What's going on with you? What's, uh, what, what's the word we, we haven't had a, we, you and I have not just had a chat for a while. I mean, we do, we do our other show, but we've had a bunch of guests on, so we haven't really talked. So what are you doing? Yeah. What am I I doing? Well, the latest, the latest challenge for me is I am um, editor in chief of a journal, uh, which is a new responsibility. Uh, The journal is microbial risk analysis. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's what I was working on just before I started talking to you um, was that. So uh, what other top of mind things I'm dealing with the university bureaucracy um, today, yesterday, yesterday actually, uh, they broke uh, they broke in the functionality of an app that I use, my calendar app, uh, BusyCal, which is a great app, except if you work at Rutgers University. Um, uh, they broke the functionality of that app because uh, there, this is this is IT's gradual process to make the universities a terrible place to work. Right, uh, because it, the the uh, so this calendar app, I want it to have. I can use it as my own calendar app for whatever. But if I want to hook up, like like when somebody sends me an invitation through Outlook, there I, there's no way for me to put it into BusyCal except manually. Ooh. Like right. it won't uh, so, take an ICS file or anything like that, or no, no, or it, like you know what I what I do when I get so oh, my calendar is such a mess, Ben. I've got blue and I've got oh. red and I've got yellow. Blue is my stuff. Red is the lab, and yellow is stuff that comes in through Outlook. Um, and so, if I want to retain the functionality with Outlook, Outlook is a Microsoft product. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're a little company out there in uh, near where near where Bill Marler lives, I think. Yeah, in um, Seattle. And they are changing their Microsoft 365 something. I won't, I won't go to look up the exact terminology, but they're basically making it harder for hackers. Um, but they're also it just means that I've just got to probably stop using BusyCal and go back to using Cal. 
Al, um, <laughs> uh, uh, the Apple Calendar app, which is uh, which is is locked down by Apple. So I don't know. That's it's just it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Um, what else? Um, dealing with oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's just it's just I feel ground down by the system, Ben. I'm, yeah, you know, I I'm five years away from when I could retire. I could retire earlier. I, I, I like so much of what I do, but every day it's worse. You know, every day it's worse. The great, um, the great retirement, so I, I'm, it's called. I'm, a, I'm you know, I, and I, I don't know, Ben, I'm just, I'm in a very, I'm just in a very frustrated mood right now. Um, I'm way behind. I'm, I'm, I, I'm way behind on everything. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, uh, my, my in, I'm very, I, I'm good. I'm nailing the inbox zero. Merlin would be so proud of me. Um, he would be yeah. so angry if I said anything about inbox zero, but um, yeah. So yeah. So busy cow inbox zero. Um, I'm walking every day. Uh, got that going for me. Um, working on some fun consulting stuff. I'm learning R. Oh, that's the other thing is that Apple Apple broke my risk modeling app at risk because uh, it's it's apparently needs Intel Silicon, uh, even though I can boot into Windows. I had to boot into Windows to run it, um, which is fine until Apple switched out the Silicon and Silicon, 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 uh, Silicon, silicon. something different, Silicon. On, um, and so that's a drag, um, but I'm learning R because of that. And so that's good. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's I'm, I'm a little scattered today, Ben. I think oh, I'm a little scattered. Yeah, well, hey, so I sent you a couple of things. Um, one is a picture of all the cal- colors on my calendar. Um, and <laughs> all the colors of my calendar. That's all the colors. The yeah, exactly. Um, I, I want to, oh, you, don't, you can't see what day it is, but I want you to take a look at, I will just tell you, Saturday is the right-hand day on the calendar snapshot that I sent you. Uh-huh. And this is what happens when you have multiple children using multiple scheduling apps Ooh. for sports, yeah. Yeah. and it just bounces. I got, oh. I mean, I got the same thing in nine different calendars in different colors. Mm. I don't know why. Mm. And it, yeah, mm. and you can't make sense of it um, for for the most part. So, I yeah calendars i i'm only i'm only using apple cal um mm-hmm. for that like reason is it seems to if i fix it in one of my places it fixes it everywhere and i haven't like i'm i i worry about that right like i'm i, I rely on my calendar so much so i've i've not ventured out to busy cal or anything else i will tell you that i've experienced a similar broken it problem with my email with the native mac mail app for on my um on my computers where i had to it was this i spent like three weeks trying to figure out Mm -hmm. why my um why my accounts were being deleted and re-added back in and i would add them again and they would get deleted again but it's apparently something to do with google suite and and our our, the settings but i had to turn mm -hmm. keychain off across oh And, it, oh, and that's now, weird. yeah, right. And now it works, right? For some reason, it and it populates everywhere. I don't know what what it did, uh, but that was Reddit told me that's what I needed to do. And thanks to Reddit, um, I did that. Um, oh, it, so so Microsoft is deprovisioning basic authentication protocols. That's the glitch. 
I don't even know what the, the, that sounds. Well, yeah. The, well, Ben, there, there's authentication protocols, uh -huh. okay? And some of them are basic and that's not good, okay? Advanced. Um, we want, we want, we want modern. No, it's not advanced. We want modern authentication. So the opposite of basic is modern, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Got um, it. And um, yeah, so Microsoft is deprovisioning those. Um, so that means that uh, we can't be basic anymore. We have oh. to be modern. Be, the, be modern. Be modern. Don't be basic. Um, are you? <laughs> I was thinking about uh, modern authentication um, while I was at as the gas. Do. As you do. Well, I was at the gas pump the other night. Um, so I don't, again, I don't know what that is. Well, I'm, I'm offsecting <laughs> so much today. So I started using my phone with the, with the Apple wallet, with my credit card. Do you know about mm, that? Mm, mm. You, you told me about this. You were, te you were, we were talking about this on one of our other meetings. That's not, not a podcast. Yeah. I think. Have you done this? Yeah. Do you do this all the time? Like you've always done this? Is this nothing ben, to you? Ben, where do I live? Oh, right. <laughs> where do where? I live, Ben? Where's my phone? Where's my bell? Uh, you live in the state of New Jersey where where um, everyone pumps gas for you, like a friendly neighborhood gas well, pumper. It's not like everyone pumps gas for you. The, only the people that work at the gas station wow. pump gas for you. Okay. But yes. Um, but no, I do. I, I, I am very much trying to just pay with my watch, right? So yeah, I try to, I do that. There's a guy, there's a guy that that has a, a Euro shop at the old mall by where I used to live. And uh, I, he was like so excited when I came in with my brand new first generation Apple watch. And I was kind of with the watch. He's like, oh, pay with the watch. And it was a, it was a fun thing we did for a while. So uh, yeah, but I, I always try to pay with the, the watch wherever I can. But you know what? I've started also some places that doesn't work. Yes. So I'm, I'm and also Ben, not only so, so um, not only is the Apple watch great, and paying that way. I am now, this is some new new and exciting news in my life. I am all in on my Apple credit card. I am, I, I because I'm not traveling anymore. So that having the credit card that helps me with United doesn't really help me. And I love, and it's, it, was, it was, it was, it's a Citibank card. It was always so frustrating because they couldn't, my bank, I couldn't set up auto pay with my bank because apparently they want me to move to Chase or whatever, or they want me to move to their bank that the credit card comes from. And so, um, yeah, it was just always a hassle, but now I just, I, I pay, I moved everything over to my Apple card and I get these really nice notifications and it's almost, it's almost fun to pay my credit card. Oh, it all, it all just I works. Really like it. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. so Apple credit card, I'm, I'm all in. Okay. So this is something I I've not stepped that far into it. Um, I just learned that I could do this on my phone. Um, but, and this is something we're coming back to our modern authentication. Um, when I use, so put, put yourself in an imaginary world where you go and pay for gas at a pump. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm imagining that. Okay. And, and I'll tell you in this magical world, um, at some gas pumps, like some of the major chains, you can use your your Apple Pay phone, and and it's got a little like you know it sends some yep. you know near field, I don't know it texts yep. the people the pump for yep. you it says yeah this person's got money go ahead and, and do it, and so um it, it you know it says hold near reader but but how do do you know how it has to get to hold near reader 
Don, like how my phone allows me to do that? that no. This might be a trick question. Well, it, it asks for the, it, it uses voice, uh, face uh, identification. What's that called? Face, not face, face ID. Face ID. Face ID. Yeah. So it does yeah. that. It gives me a little face, face ID, a little circle, says, yep, this is you. Or if I'm wearing a mask or if I'm wearing sunglasses, it says, what's your pin? So that's, that's one, right? At the pump, I then also have to, they say, oh, um, we're going to need more information from you. What is your zip code? Okay. So, but it seems like there's enough, enough authentication because it needed to get my face, right? Like, yeah. Why, why you is, have my face? Why do you need my, my zip code? Right, right. Isn't my well, face enough? And, and, and I, no, and I think, I think that this has something to do. That, that, is, this it, yeah. is this modern no, authentication? Is this what we're at here? No, no, oh. that's old fashioned. No, there, there's different rules. I, I, re I read a web page on this at some point. There's different rules for how credit cards do authenticate to make sure that it's really you. And one way is the is the the three digit code, the uh, uh, CVS, the uh, uh, CRT, the, um, the the three <laughs> the, the, the three TLA on the back. The, the the on the back of your credit card right like that that number is one another is the the year and the date of the card another is that you're physically present there's different rules but yeah it's it's anyway whatever it's how they get you ben but but that's how they get me so so the, i i've learned over now time i thought oh it's gonna get way easier because before my card i understood like oh card and mm -hmm. a zip code right, du right. dual dual factor authentication right right right, <laughs> right. Now I'm like face, like the, like, like how much more do you need? You got right. Like, this is me. And yeah. it's like, well, we also still need to make sure you know your zip code. Um, yeah. It's, it, it, anyway, it, I, I, I thought I've, I've constructed a tweet in drafts mm -hmm. seven times <laughs> about this, about this. And then thought, I don't know. I don't know what to, it, it's not right. It's just the, the, the joke's not landing right. The, uh -huh. you know, it's the two factor authentication world might get it, but those who don't know what that is are not going to get it. Uh -huh. um, and yeah. So, so anyway, um, moderate authentication, that's, that's what I'm seeing here. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, so we, you and I talked about um, something on risky or not, which we don't have feedback really on it yet. Mm -hmm. um, except the, and this is a what I think the you know the most recent episode that, that we released was about this individual who had his legs amputated mm -hmm. um, from uh, uh, meningococcal sepsis and and it was a New England Journal of Medi Medicine um, paper or challenge study or case study a case challenge something like that uh, that said uh, it's because he ate leftovers and it was uh, chicken rice and lo mein. They, and didn't, they didn't actually say it was because he ate leftovers, true. but the way it was written, it implied that the, the, the illness came as a result of the leftovers. If you actually read the article, they don't mention food at all. And they only mention the, 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 the uh, rice, chicken and lo mein um, uh, once in the article. So, you know, in, in defense of the authors, they don't call it food poisoning. In in a non-defense of the authors, it's irresponsible because it's irrelevant information, right? Yeah. Well, and then they sort of allude to it when they say the, you know, what else does this person have in common with other people? Well, there was someone else he went and ate with, and that person also had 
um, you know, diarrhea or, or food poisoning. Well, right. yeah, I can't remember exactly right. what it said. Um, so anyway, I want to tell you that, that this, um, you know, I, I don't use LinkedIn. That's one of the things I does. The first thing I want to tell you, uh-huh. Uh-huh. um, my LinkedIn, um, approach is this, and this is probably where, where they're going to get me. And I, them, I mean, the people that are out to get me and get me, I mean, you know, hack me. Everybody, everybody who asks to be in my network, Don, they're in my uh, network. Every single yeah. one. I say oh. yes. All of them. Wow. What? Right. Be- because I don't know what, I don't, like, I don't understand what it means. I don't know what it, like, what the, <laughs> I don't know what the down, like the downside is of it. Because I can't see like, if someone LinkedIn has become such a bloated mess of networks that I can't see someone looking at LinkedIn or using it and saying, Oh, well, this person is in the same network as, as Ben Chapman. So X or Y, right? Like making a decision based on it. So, so I look at it as my, the, the world, anybody who asks me, I say, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So someone who asked me who I don't really know, um, and I, I mean, I don't mind, I, I mean, no, I don't think we've met in person. Maybe we have, uh, but it's a, a person named uh, Francine Shaw. Mm-hmm. She tagged me in LinkedIn today um, because she posted uh, about this situation. Um, mm-hmm. And and I'm, I'm going to say that this is kind of a cool, uh, let me, let me read the post um, here. So uh, she links to a New York Post article about student had legs, fingers amputated after leading, eating leftover Chinese takeout, right? Like that's the bad aspect of this New England Journal of right. Medicine article. Um, Francine writes, this incident occurred many months ago, but mainstream media has recently picked it up. Many people think food safety doesn't apply to them. It is the it won't happen to me syndrome. Then it does. Foodborne illnesses are 100% preventable, but every year at least 3,000 people die. To reduce the risk of food poisoning from bacteria, leftovers should be refrigerated no later than two hours after being removed from a heat source. Um, She says, warning, the photos in this link are graphic. But then here's where, so, you know, that we talked, go go see whatever episode number of Risky or Not it is, where we talk about this this case, which we'll, I'm sure, find for for show notes. 270. And and I want you to note, Ben, if you you look at the photo that I picked, um, there's a caption on the photo, which I will now read to you. Spoiler alert, it wasn't the leftovers. Also, just be glad I didn't include any, I, I didn't post any pictures from the New England Journal of Medicine, because I thought about it, and these yeah. are really disturbing photos, and I did not want to put them on the website, so I did not. So instead, I linked to the food, which did not cause the illness. <laughs> Good, excellent. Um, so, um, what what you know, like we talked about in that episode about what this what the fallout has been in some of the conversation. So, but Francine writes, a friend of mine, Bruce Perkin, who is someone else I am connected with on LinkedIn because I because I, you know, I say yes to everybody and um, great, good or bad, I don't know. Um, Bruce Perkins suggested listening to this podcast for an entirely different perspective on the case. It's quite insightful. Listen to the excellent podcast, Risky or Not, hosted by Ben Chapman and Don Schaffner. Episode 270 specifically addresses this incident. And, um, you know, so Bruce is in the comments as well. We can all agree this incident is tragic. However, true root cause is questionable. One data point in that direction might be to listen to the excellent podcast, Risky or Not, hosted by you and I, um, where we specifically address it. 
And uh, and then there's like a couple other comments about it. Um, so it's kind of like we're getting out there in the world of LinkedIn in an area that I didn't think about from a social media standpoint. But I'm glad that we've added to the conversation and it's not just all leftovers are bad and show these pictures as to here's why, right? Because we that's not the case. It's not that this is not the food that caused this. Um, but I, I don't like, I th that was one of those like, oh, I got tagged on LinkedIn. What What is this all about? And it was people talking about the yeah. podcast in a good way. Yeah, not yeah. And, 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 I want, and thanks to Bruce for doing it, right? Yeah. Because um, like, I think Francine's original story had one slant to it and then Bruce weighed in in the comments and then she went back and then modified her actual story to give us, to, to recognize us in, in the story, which is nice, right? I mean, uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's nice. It's, it's nice when, when, when people find a show and they find the shows uh, and, and find them useful. So, yeah. And I feel like we're doing our job with this, right? Like this, this is it. This is the, the world of extension and outreach is like, we're trying to be part of this public conversation. And I know that's like a soapbox that, that I use say a lot on this, on this podcast, but it was like, well, that actually, that worked. I like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that was, that was kind of a cool thing. Um, I got a, a, a couple of, you know, I, the other thing I like to use this podcast for Don, um, is when I get a note from a reporter and I like to hear your thoughts on things. Um, I got a couple of quick, um, like quick questions from a journalist about sushi. And I, I know we've talked about it on, on this podcast. I can't remember if it's on, well, no, we've talked about it, but I can't remember if it was, um, food safety talk or risky or not. But the question was about, um, uh, I'll, I'll read it directly. Um, can you give me some per general thoughts on the safety of quote sushi grade fish? I've heard from a few sources that deciding to eat raw fish um, and where to get it from is mostly a matter of trust. Do you agree? Is there any specific way that you might recommend consumers research the restaurants or companies that sell sashimi grade fish? And you know, I've already answered the question um, on this because this was from a couple of days ago, but it was my deadline for this is tomorrow morning. Um, and so we, we have talked about this here, right? Like we've talked about the, I guess, fallacy of sushi grade fish that it doesn't exist. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, we've, we've talked, we certainly talked about talk outbreaks from sushi, yeah. right? I, but is, I thought sushi grade fish was a thing. It's just that it's, that's not, it's not always sushi grade fish that's used for sushi. Well, no, but sushi grade fish doesn't have a, it's not a, it's not a regulated term. Like it's oh, a thing. Well, for sure. It's not, a, for sure. It's not a regulated term. Yes, yeah. I like, agree with that. Yeah. People say that, right? Like I have, Don, I have um, uh, eight, eight star front yard eggs in my house. Uh, why, why eight stars? Cause seven wasn't enough. Um, and, but these go to 11. <laughs> yeah. My eggs go to 11. Uh, but, but but it's not like it, 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 it's a marketing tool. It doesn't have a, uh, it doesn't have a, a regulatory meaning. It really doesn't even have a trade meaning. It's sushi grade fish means someone says this is good enough fish to make sushi out of it. Um, but it doesn't have anything to do with the safety of it, right? Like it's about the, it's about the quality of, of that fish. Um, and people talk about it. I mean, essentially that's the, that's the answer. It just doesn't have a regulatory, um, it doesn't have any teeth to it. 
So I can call anything sushi grade fish that I want. Right. Because it doesn't mean anything. Right. Um, but the anyway, the conversation pro- like process authority. <laughs> right. What well, right? Well, at least Afto keeps a list of process authorities. Like at least well, it, but yeah. But but do you know? I, I didn't know. I'll have to find the AFTO list. That's good. I did not know that. Um, but but do you know like what determines whether somebody can? I don't know what determines whether you can be on the AFTO list or not. But do you know what determines whether someone is a process authority or not? You just have to say they're a process authority. They have to say they're a process authority. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, and and AFTO does a good job. They say the authorities are listed in no particular order, and the presence or absence of a facility does not represent or constitute an endorsement or rejection of any of its sub offices or individual employees. So, this is great. I did not know this. I keep my own small list. Oh, um, but this you, is great. Yeah, you need the big list. Yeah, big list. Oof. Big list. Um, and people, you know, Ben, this 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 one tip alone made it worth me showing up today. <laughs> See, I'm helping you. With- but I had to be here anyway. You, yeah, <laughs> but you got something out of it. I did. I did. Yeah, there's uh, this this list. I so the reason why I know about this list is because some states, you know, my my HACCP retail variance world. Some states require in their legislation that a process authority has to review any variance, any specialized process. We don't do that here in our, in North Carolina, but there are some states that do that. And so it took me down this rabbit hole of how would someone do that and who would do it? And I know like what I really like about this AFTO list is you can sort it by like expertise and food types that is self, oh, wow. yeah, self-declared by the process authority themselves. Pretty cool, oh, right? Check out, yeah, check out the advanced filters. My gosh. Yeah, yeah it's wow. a good AFTO. I, I, no, like there, there's another, I'm, I might've just outed who I'd like to have on as a special guest to, uh, um, to, to surprise you sometime, but, um, Steve Mandernack from oh, Steve is great. He's fantastic. And, and AFTO is fantastic. I shouldn't just say Steve. I mean, there's so many people at AFTO, they've built a really great, relevant, um, engaged association and, and I feel like, I don't know the, the history other than um, what it says on their website, many perspectives, one voice since 1896. So it's an old, like an old, what's the right term here, Don? Aged, uh, mature association. I mean, they're, they're over a hundred. Seasoned, I think. Seasoned. Yeah. Seasoned. Yeah. They celebrated 125 years ago or 125 that's, years a year ago. That's a lot of years, Ben. That's seasoned. 126th AFTO Education Conference is coming up this year. This, I, I didn't even think about this, Don. You and I are going to be there. Um, and at least- Well, theoretically. Theoretically, theoretically. Um, and we might do some, some podcast stuff, but nothing official yet. But this group, I mean, I remember going to AFTO- to speak as a graduate student when I was at the University of Guelph about some training, food safety, culture, behavior stuff a long time ago. And then I don't, I don't want to say like, I don't want to say bad things about it. They just weren't really relevant until I started really interacting with Steve around a bunch of stuff, which has been relatively recently, like within the last mm-hmm. six years. I don't, yeah, something like that. I don't actually know how long he's been there, but um, but they're it's a great organization. That's what I'm. That's what I'm here to say. And they probably yeah. have always been, you know, 
four of those 126 years, I'm sure have been amazing. Um, <laughs> I, I just picked that randomly. Maybe all 126 have been great. They just weren't relevant to me, um, right. which again is all that matters for the you know focus of my conversation today. It's all that matters for you, certainly. Yeah, yeah. But they're but it's yeah. Anyway, they I know they have this that they also have a a cool um, another map. They got they got maps. Um, I have to food code map is what I will Google here. Uh, and I think they have like a little uh, pocket guide that tells you, oh yeah, they've got a list of every, this is helpful for me when I'm working with other states, tells you, it gives you a link to their food codes and who is, um, and any other pertinent um, information and who is actually uh, implementing it. And then they've got a nice little like, yeah, they got a bunch of stuff. They're good. They do. They do. A good well, job. And I, I, you know, what I've found is really nice. And I think this is also an AFTO thing is uh, state um, cottage food laws. I think they yeah. had a publication on that as well. Yeah. Yeah, they're good. They're good. They're good people. That's what they say, right? Like that's, they, they're fun. They're fun to be around. And they, I think they just keep building their, their team with a bunch of great people. Um. All right. So things that I wrote down to talk about today. One, showing up at a restaurant um, to have dinner with Bill Marler and he showing up there also with us. Um, but he, well, we thought- Here's the thing. Yeah. We, we knew we were having dinner with him. Mm -hmm. He thought he was having dinner with someone else and he was yes. very surprised to see us. And, and, and anyway, it was hilarity yeah. ensued. Yes. And at the end of it, we all had dinner together and it was lovely. Um, so I wrote exactly. that down. Um, I, yeah, uh, we were going to talk about, uh, foods that are sold online and whether you, whether it's illegal, anyway, we'll save those. Let's go, let's go to the magic file, right? Cause that's another let's place that, yeah. FST next. Oh, I put some stuff in here. Um, I know let me find the thing that I wanted to, um, Okay. So actually, let me ask you another question Sure. that I got this week that I also, um, this, there's some, something in the, in the folder I want to talk about. Um, let me find it. All right. So I know you talked last year, because I asked you to do this, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> at the Conference for Food Protection online virtual education program mm -hmm. um, about like new technologies and new emerging trends and how we evaluate risks. That, and you mm -hmm. gave a really great talk. And I think, I think it's on the CFP website. I'll see if I can find it for show notes. Okay. Um, so the... The people that are imp that implement the food code are grappling with questions around plant-based foods, like Impossible Burgers, mm -hmm. and and so the question that I that I got, and I'll kind of opsec this haul out of it, but one of my colleagues in another state um, was contacted by a school system in New York State because they require. They, they are, are um, want to or are already selling plant-based meats at their, or whatever it's called, plant-based plant proteins um, at their schools. But in their rules, they require 
um, some microbial sampling. So manufactured food facilities inspected by, um, or you know, let me read from this. Um, they, they have to provide some microbial uh, testing standards if they're going to sell to that school district of the food. Okay. So for meats, you know, pretty easy if you're following um, the, you know, mandatory federal HACCP rules, you've, you've got micro testing for the types of meats that they're buying. This school district wanted to know whether they could impose E. coli coliform counts and um, standards on plant-based meats. And well, the answer is yes. Right. They and, can but, impose any standards they want. But why and why not, basically, was oh. what they wanted. They wanted to know oh. whether they oh. should and what what it what would it be and or should they not? And that's so that's a better question, right? So can I can I tell you what I would answer? Yeah, that's why I'm asking you. Go ahead, caller. Okay, okay, thanks. First time, first yeah. time uh, risk assessor. Um, yeah. So we we have a, a long history of uh, doing this kind of stuff at Rutgers, right? And I will I will find the article by Mike Solberg and myself and others entitled Microbiological Safety Assurance System for Food Service Facilities. This is actually one of my most cited uh, papers, uh, mostly because it's old. It was, it was written in 1990 and I'm a middle author. Mike Solberg is the first author. Um, and yeah, and so basically this uh, program was set up in 1973 and uh, and Mike talks about the program, and we have we have microbiological standards, and so anybody uh, any program that's served in the facilities needs to meet these standards, and then we also go and we inspect people that want to. We don't inspect well, in sanitarian can sometimes goes and inspects them, but we we ask them to provide samples, and then we test them and we evaluate them, and so. Um, so so can this school district do this? Yes. Should they do it? I would say it's not a bad idea um, because, you know, and, and what, and, you know, testing for, for pathogens is, eh, it's yeah, whatever. I mean, it's not really going to tell you very much. If you, if you test it and you find pathogens, there's problems, right? There's probably problems in their manufacturing. Um, but certainly it's reasonable to say that the raw product that you provide to us will have, will not be spoiled, Right. So it should have a total plate count of less than X. And uh, it, it's, you could certainly say it needs to be free of uh, fecal coliforms, which we know is not, uh, not a great term, right? Uh, actually, there's a wonderful um, speaking. We got to add our uh, Canadian, uh, Canadian content here to this episode. Do you know uh, Mike Brodsky? Oh, I know Mike. Yeah, I know Mike Brodsky. I got help. Let's. We're gonna come back to my Mike Brodsky. Go ahead. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> Write so, that down. Yeah. So Michael Brodsky came to the New Jersey affiliate and gave a wonderful talk on. Uh, I'll get the exact title here in just a minute, but so, oh, the fallacious fecal coliform. Um, huh. And and uh, yeah, Brodsky. It's probably spelled with a Y. Uh, N J. Food protection. Um, and uh, yeah, and so uh, he gave a wonderful talk and um, the fallacious fecal coliform, which we will we'll link to. You can actually uh, view the recording if you want. So, uh, so check that out. Oops, wrong recording. Um, 
So yeah, so uh, uh, Brodsky fecal coliform. Oh yeah, so uh, E. coli. So yeah, so you can set whatever standards you want, and it's it's fine to do it. I would certainly expect that that um, plant based meat substitutes have a reasonably low total coliform, or you could say no E. coli because it shouldn't be there, right? Uh, you could say no pathogens, you know, no no salmonella, no pathogenic E. coli. That's fine. Um, you might want to have, a, you could put a standard in for Bacillus cereus or Staph aureus, um, just as a quality standard. Uh, you know, you you don't you want low. You will, I mean, if they're making it right, you shouldn't have any of that stuff in there. So yeah, so I mean, I can tell you what the standards are for our program, but uh, but yeah, it's no, it's no, uh, it's it's perfectly fine, and I, I personally, I think they should do it. Yeah, well, and so this is the the thing. Like that's this is good. That's sort of where I, where I wanted this to go. So what in this discussion, what we found out. In, in you know through sort of colleagues that talking back and forth is that they have been testing the waters on this and they're getting a lot of pushback from suppliers because no one else is asking for this and they say we're not actually making beef right so they, they it is limiting their suppliers people are saying we're if you're going to require us to test this we're not going to supply to you which is a really like I don't know it gives me a little bit of, gives me like a creepy feeling a little bit, right? Like well, maybe, well, my yeah. question is, why aren't they not testing it to be like, yeah. I, I would turn it around and I would say, okay, you want to supply to us? Tell us what your quality, what, tell us what your microbiological quality spec is that you are trying to hit with this product. And then we'll decide whether we want you to sell to us. And if they say we don't have a spec, run the other way. Yeah. Right. Like I'm, I'm all for giving people reasonable specs that they can meet. Right. Like I don't want, I, you can't, you shouldn't set the, you shouldn't, for example, say, well, this needs to have less than a hundred colony forming units per gram. Right. That's ridiculous. But, but tell us what your spec is. And if you don't have a spec, what the, how do you know, what the hell are you doing? Right. Right. And right? like, it's, and, and it's so, yeah, anyway, I thought this was really interesting. Okay. So second part of the question is, um, and and this is I know we've talked a little bit about this, but I want to revisit it. There there isn't you know the food code doesn't talk about plant based meat alternatives yet. It may someday, but but it talks about heat treated plant foods, and heat treated plant foods do not have a they're they're considered to be TCS foods, um, but they don't have an endpoint temperature to be cooked to in in the food code unless you're going to hot hold them and then it you got to get it to 135 so what what the school system is looking for is they're trying to normalize this across all of their schools they're like well what temperature can we require schools to cook this to or what temperature should we require schools to cook it to or you know they're they're just trying to grapple with that like we certainly we, we we agree that it's a TCS food, but all these other foods have endpoint temperature, um, endpoint temperatures that we can point to that we know that the local inspector is going to inspect to, but this does not, other than if it's going to be hot held. So, what are your like, what are your thoughts on that? Tell me that again. There's there's no spec unless you're going to hot hold it. Yeah, like if I'm so if I'm it's like so. Uh, uh, cooked uh, um, cooked corn, for instance, right? If I heat treat 
fresh corn, if I cook it, there's no endpoint temperature in the food code for that. Right, right. So, but that's the only analogous food for plant-based protein or meat substitutes. Because everything else in the food code is about poultry, right? Like this is a different, it's a, a, and no, no pun except intended, but like definitely intended. This is a different animal, Don. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, so like we have their endpoint temperatures for poultry, their endpoint temperatures for beef, their whole muscle beef and ground beef. There's endpoint temperatures for pork. There's endpoint temperatures for uh, seafood and fish. There are not endpoint temperatures for vegetables. And this impossible burger or whatever, I don't even know if that's the one that they're using or beyond meat or whatever, you know, pick your, your normal or your um, most likely uh, meat substitute that's plant-based it does it does, it's not it's it's closer to corn than it is yep. beef which yep. is hard for someone who's trying to manage food safety at a cafeteria or in a local health department to get their hands around i think or head around yeah so what yeah does that make sense now you know what i'm asking now so is it but are you but are you asking for a cooking temperature or are you yeah. asking for a micro spec? No, I wanted both. They wanted to know about the micro spec first okay. and then they said, okay, sure. Great. Awesome. Now what, what temperature should we be cooking it to? Okay. Um, Knowing that the regulation yeah. doesn't cover it. Right. right. Like, I, and I think we well, did it. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I would say, um, well, I, again, I would turn it around and go to the manufacturer and say, what yeah. temperature do you recommend, right? And that could be a recommendation for quality, right? Yep. So, um, and so then, yeah, I mean, it's because it really, yeah, you it, it would be a quality recommendation. Like I, you know, like, for example, I have uh, um, a, a roughly 50% of the days, you know, some fraction of the days in a week, I'll have the Morningstar Farms vegetarian sausage. Uh, for breakfast. Um, I cook that until it's hot in the middle. <laughs> yeah. I think piping hot. Sorry, Doug. Um, but, but it's, but it's a quality thing. I'm not doing it for, for safety. So yeah, it's, it's, I think it's got a default to quality. Yeah. And, and so is it, is that risk-based, right? Like that, that's the, Oh, it's the risk of having a, un, a, a non-tasty breakfast. Yeah, no, no. But I mean, like I know, not your not your situation, oh, but yeah. I mean, if I was looking at it from a this is a new type of food that hasn't been served in in this kind of facility or set of facilities before, it it is regulated differently from all the other foods that look like this one. Um, the manufacturer may have a temperature on it, but that now we're the manufacturer oh, see, doesn't have now, to have a temperature on it. No, but I, but here let's I just called up the Morningstar Farms veggie sausage links. For food safety and quality, heat to a minimum internal temperature of 165 degrees Fahrenheit. And is that too much? It's probably right. too much. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I, but I guess the question is, yeah, I mean, and well, how accurately can I, uh, you know what, let me, the next time, <clears throat> the next time I make these for breakfast, which will be tomorrow, did I have, I think I had, I think I had turkey bacon today. So it'll, it'll probably be tomorrow. Okay. Not, no, don't, uh, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't want to compromise my op, my breakfast op sack, but, yeah. um, you know, <clears throat> don't be spying on my breakfast. <laughs> I think maybe I'll microwave it 
and then I'll put a probe in. I'll put my tip sensitive digital thermometer in, and I'll I'll figure out what the temperature. If I remember to do that, I'll yeah, do yeah. that. Yeah, I want a yeah. little bit of a little bit of homework for you. Yeah, but these yeah. are like I, I'm this. These are the types of questions that I hope can, people continue to ask. I hope they continue to ask us and other people. Like it's fun to be in the middle of this, but this you know, it, it is like I don't want people to just default and say, this is exactly like beef. It may be, but it also might not be <laughs> right. Like, like what the risks are, the, the risks that we see, the hazard that gets introduced during, um, you know, beef slaughter and processing comes from really the evisceration process and removing, um, you know, and dealing with like poop on hides and it moving around all of that, but in a plant-based meat substitute none of that exists so so should we be treating it the same or should we be treating it differently i don't know yeah yeah it's well and and i guess you know on the one hand well and even different meats are different right absolutely For reasons because of usda fsis risk assessments and i wonder i wonder how different they really need to be i mean ultimately if you wanted a science-based here's the thing if you if you wanted a science-based answer and you had a budget you could do you could tell me the likelihood of pathogens being there and what levels they would be at and you should probably be doing that on a regular basis and then you could you could back your way into uh, some cooking directions, but it, it, it does all feel a bit weird because, you know, it's, it's pretty likely that beef or chicken, uh, you know, or pork or whatever is going to occasionally have pathogens. I don't think this product is going right. to occasionally have pathogens unless something really goes wrong. Right. I mean, Oh, it's complicated though, yep. right? Because because you, I mean, you know, we, you flowers shouldn't have pathogens either, but guess what? It does now sometimes. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's oof. Well, and in fact, actually, flour is a good example here. I based on what I what I've learned about flour over the last ten years of, you know, it's a crop outside that's not treated really as a food crop, but as a commodity when it comes to on farm food safety. It's, it's not, you know, like growing tomatoes and growing wheat are, are not the same. We're not doing the same sort of evaluations. Right. The process of wheat harvest and drying and milling without any sort of heat process. In fact, the more I know about flour, the more likely I think that there would be pathogens in flour than there would be in plant-based meat alternatives. Yeah. Right. So anyway, that. Um, the next one in this, it's part of this conversation, but it's not exactly the same. I just dropped you a link to a New York Times article from a couple of weeks ago about animal cells. This, this, this is where things get a little messy, even within people that are asking about this. They, they can sometimes confuse plant-based meat alternatives and lab-grown meats. Because they right. seem like they're, they're the same. They're, yeah, yeah, but they're not at all. But they're not, right? Like they're so anyway, there's a really good article about the potential for um plant uh sorry, not plant, um lab grown chicken and lab grown meats, and and that there are lots of people in the culinary world that are in because of sustainability issues. Um anyway, just it, it, I think it adds to this because I think the same this one's a little clear, right? Because I don't think FSIS 
cares if your chicken comes from a lab or if your chicken comes from my front yard, although my front yard wouldn't qualify, um, comes from somewhere else that is regulated by them, it's still chicken. It still has to meet the same standard, microbial standard. Um, it's different where FDA is looking at chicken-like plant stuff. It's, it's regulated totally differently. But anyway, I thought it was a good article in, um, in the New York Times about that. Yeah, yeah, this looks good. It's a nice, that's a delicious looking piece of chicken. It is. It looks, yes, it's, it looks like something I, I ate recently um, here at, at home. Um, okay. Um, I, got, I got something for you here as well that I saw. Um, this was nominally for Risky or Not, but I actually would much rather talk about it here today. Oh, so we can dither and equivocate and walk. Yeah. Well, there's more to the, because I think this one is like risky. I think it's going to be oh, pretty. No, we can, yeah. well, we're allowed to do risky ones on that other show. It's right. No, I, th- I, I just think it was like this one. It's something that I hadn't heard of, but I think it was like, uh, this would be a very short episode. Um, are you familiar with this story from a couple of weeks ago? Uh, the headline is Las Vegas restaurant accused of lacing food with THC. I'm I'm not I'm not familiar with that, and that would seem um, like not very cost effective. No, so how about this? if I if I was gonna if if I mean right because yeah. it's costing them money, right? So yeah, tell me more, Ben. Um, tell me more. Okay, so let's read this article because I think it's awesome. A Las Vegas woman says a, re- a restaurant drugged her food with THC. Other people online said the same thing happened to them. I wonder if this like all happened and I was poisoned. I didn't, I didn't look. Um, their food is usually, this is a quote, their food is usually really tasty. We've never had a problem there before, said Samantha Diaz, one alleged victim. But this was a problem. Uh, Diaz and her husband ate at The Secret of Siam, a Thai restaurant in Northwest Las Vegas often. But on a recent visit, something was off. Diaz took a curry dish home and experienced symptoms when she ate it two days later. Here is where my favorite part of the article kicks in, Don. Quote, <laughs> I was like melting into my chair and I got disoriented and heavy, Diaz described. I thought, what is happening here? Diaz was scared, thinking she might be having a stroke, which is terrible. I said to my husband, yes. I said, I says, honey, I think I'm high. And he was like, get out of here. We haven't left the house in two days. <laughs> I don't, the way I read this made me laugh so hard. Um, so oh. anyway, multiple reviews, uh, said the, that, um, on the Yelp's, uh, restaurants Yelp page, some posting, they went to the emergency room and tested positive for THC. Oh, wow. Just last week, the health district gave secret to Siam an A rating, A for A plus stuff, I guess. Um, uh, restaurant has been closed on Sunday. Uh, anyway, um, and again, some great writing here, journalism, quote, you can't drug people. If they choose to do it on our, their own, that's their business, Diaz said. But you know, you can't mess with that stuff. So you hadn't heard about this. This does seem pretty bad, right? Like, yeah. who knows if, 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 it's, if it's real. I agree, it might not be the most cost-effective way. But how did this, like, I want to know more about this. I want to know if this happened you know, people reporting online that they went to the emergency room and tested positive for THC. I don't know. Right. Like how real is that? Maybe they tested positive for THC because they live in Vegas and weed is legal. Right. Like 
is it related to the food hanger? I, I there's not enough data points in this article to to really say that this is happening, but it seems like it would be a bad thing if it was happening. Yeah, I'm just I'm on the well the Yelp page right now, and it's uh, it's loading really slowly, probably because everybody's really interested to learn more. For everybody's um, maybe but, it's high. It's all it's kind of stone. Uh, pick, picked up an order of red curry here on two twelve twenty two and ad, experienced no adverse effects. Um, yeah, uh, five more answers. I just saw on the news. Um, I assure you with all the stress, money and time it takes to run a restaurant, someone isn't going to do this or waste their money for drugs just to give to somebody else. Um, the, the claims are unsubstantiated and unconfirmed. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, it's, if, if it, if it did happen, it's, they're not doing it on purpose. It's got to be accidental, right? Like one of the cooks stash fell into something by accident. Right. Yeah. I mean, or they, that, that that's that they're not, they're not doing it on purpose. It certainly could happen by accident. Yeah. Um, especially if the cook was stoned, well, and I want, right. he misplaced his weed into the food. <laughs> right, right, right. And I wonder if this is like, um, what's there's, there's gotta be a word for this phenomenon where it's like, Oh, this thing, I read about this thing on online and I ate that restaurant. I also felt like I was stoned, right? Like that right. the, the, uh, uh, crowd herd mentality of, uh, of what's being reported. You know, this is, I, I want to call it the next door phenomenon where if it appears <laughs> on next door, someone sees someone lurking, someone suspicious, then everyone sees someone suspicious. And not to joke about it, that's literally how people get killed in a bad, like in a really bad, bad way. But so I wonder if there's some of this happening here, right? Where it's, you know, I ordered, or like, here's a screenshot, ordered yellow curry from Secret of Siam, can confirm the food was drugged. My sister and I both ended up in the ER that night and we tested positive for THC despite never smoking weed. How many times do you go to the, well, I guess I've never gone to the ER and I, they've certainly never given me a THC test, but yeah, I don't know. So oh. I, I that you, your 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 comment made me go look at next door. Um, oh. uh, I have a neighbor that throws any trash that's in her backyard out in the street. Um, what can I do about this? Can this be reported? <laughs> I have this problem with somebody who lives across the street from me. Literally took their weed and threw them across the street to my side of the yard. So get that weed and put it in some Thai food. I don't know if this is any better. Good afternoon. My name is, I'll protect this name, and I am the new captain of the Northwest District for Raleigh PD. I am new just 10 minutes to next door. I will try and check this app out weekly. <laughs> That's, I don't know. How Thanks for that. that is. Yeah. Um, well, there's Don, there was a, just so you know, um, there was a bald eagle spotted at Shelly Lake. Um, oh, that's good, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Please be responsible, pet owners, and do not allow your cats to roam freely. They fight on my deck. They drive my indoor cat crazy. They eat the birds I work hard to attract and feed. Please keep them in your own homes and yards and put a bell around their necks to save songbirds. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, what's their their tagline is something like bringing neighbors together i just it's just oh. i just have to well that's the people are horrible man yeah, yeah that's the uh best of next door 
the yeah the the I don't know, but it's not a not a satire account, but it's a you know a next door. They they just go and get good screen screenshots. Um, all right, there was something else I put in here that I wanted you to talk wanted to talk about. Um, did you see this uh, Instagrammer who ate raw meat for eighty days in quest to see if he'll survive? Uh. Uh, no, thankfully, I'm almost off all social media, man. <laughs> yeah, here you go. Tell me more. Tell me more. Look up. I'm going to give you an amazing, amazing link to um, just exploring this one. Instagram slash raw meat experiment or just raw meat experiment at raw meat experiment on Instagram. 118 or 17,000 followers. Eating raw meat at Whole Foods every day until I die from bacteria. Seeing if I live for five days or 500 years. Follow me for more recipes. And it's just a bunch of pictures of uh, what looks like this Oof. individual drinking kombucha and eating uh, ribeye and uh, offal and just raw meat, camel that just milk. looks gross. Yeah. That just looks gross. I don't, yeah. I, oh, I don't. Uh... Raw meat. I don't want to. I don't want to eat any of that. That's just gross. Day fifty-eight. The brain of a cow. Why are you eating cow brains? Now you want BSE. Oh. That's how they get you. That's how you get Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. Um. So we talk about the Coronabacter. Cor- not Coronabacter. Cor- Coronobacter. Coronobacter. I got corona. Yeah. Corona. You're putting an extra syllable. Coronobacter. Coronobacter. Like it's a a crown, not a uh, halo. Not a halo. Yeah, Kronos, I believe, is uh, is um, uh, the god of time or something. Anyway, we'll look up what Kronos is. Anyway, Kronos. Uh, is he the guy who snapped his finger? It's a uh, it's Marvel. Uh, <laughs> Cronus, God, <laughs> God of the Harvest. Um, no, no. Cronos is the personification of time in Greek mythology. I'm not, uh, I don't know if that, that's what Chronobacter is named for, though. Anyway, p- p- please, let's, let's, uh, let's try, to, try, to, try to corral this, corral this show in. Uh, tell, me, tell me about Chronobacter, Ben, and what, and what terrible things are going on. Well, so, I mean, here's, here's our situation. Um, there are some uh, illnesses in infants uh, from um, a, a, some infant formula that was made and has uh, some bacterial contamination, uh, Chronobacter and, uh, and Salmonella. And it's, this is like a big deal. Um it, I don't know. Have you been following this much? Just a little bit. Okay. So February, I'll I'll read from uh, CDC's uh, website on this. February 28th, Abbott Nutrition recalled Similac PM 6040 powdered formula. Um, What, why uh, did it, did it happen? Well, they believe that uh, there is an investigation. Um, Chronobacter illness is linked to powdered infant formula. Uh, FDA reported a complaint of salmonella also from this uh, recalled formula. There have been four illnesses and two deaths, three states in Minnesota, Ohio, and Texas. 
Um, and this this was updated on February 28th. So that's as of a, a couple of days ago. Um, the first, uh, let's see what, uh, what they say here. So um, oh yeah, description of cases. February 10th, CDC was notified of FDA's investigation of consumer complaints of infant illnesses related to products from Abbott Nutrition in Sturgis, Michigan. These complaints include three reports of Chronobacter Sakazakii. 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 And infections. And one report of Salmonella Newport infection in infants. CDC and FDA are conducting additional laboratory testing and investigation to better understand these cases. From September 16, 2021 to January 5th, 2022, CDC received reports of three chronobacter cases in infants that were later found to be linked to FDA's ongoing investigation. Um, and so, you know, then four infants are, are all linked to this. And, and I guess we don't know. Like, it sounds like that they're there's some contamination happening at this um, infant um, infant formula production facility, manufacturing facility. Yeah, for sure. And it, but it, so here's where things get a little bit messy, I think. Um, and uh, you know, we'll probably include this uh, when when our guest Bill called and said he couldn't make it. Um, he said, "Talk about why." Chronobacter is not reportable in all states. I don't know why that is. <laughs> you know. Well, because 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 uh, America, Ben, um, you got to. Um, uh, that's how we do. That's how we do here in America, Ben. Different states can make different rules. Sh- should it be reportable in all states? Absolutely, but it's not because states can do things differently with re- with respect to reportable diseases. Yeah. So. Th- this comes from FDA posted this a couple of days ago. Um, I'll give you the link to this. Uh, chronobacter surveillance. Chronobacter infection surveillance is not handled the same way infection with more common foodborne pathogens, such as Salmonella or E. coli uh, 015-7H7. Chronobacter is not nationally notifiable and not reportable except in one state which means doctors and labs are not required to report cases to their health department. Because Chronobacter is not nationally notifiable, FDA relies, and I'll I'll editorialize this, only on consumer complaints of illness sent to the agency and of healthcare providers informing FDA directly about infants with Chronobacter infections. Do you think this changes that? Do you think this, you know, Bill's asking about it. I'm sure others are are asking about it. Do you think this this outbreak is small? But I mean, you've got... Well, kid deaths from this. It's small as far as we know. As far as we know. Yes. Thank you. Right. Right. Because I just read this. Yes. Yeah. Come on. I mean, like, okay. So first of all, there are cases in Minnesota. Not surprising. That's where they have all the foodborne disease in Minnesota because they have really good epi, right? Ohio and Texas. I don't know why those are implicated states, but what I want to know if I was Abbott Nutrition, I want to know like where was this distributed, and then oh, and then, you know, so yeah, Don, where was it distributed? Well, um, there was uh, it, it impacts um, Alimentium, Elicare, and Human Milk Fortifier for markets outside the U.S. Oh, oh this oh. is international, but where else? Um, 
According to the firm, recalled products were distributed to the following countries' locations. And just get ready, because it's going to be a long one. Australia, Bahrain, Barbados, Bermuda, Canada, Chile, China, Colombia, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, Ecuador, Egypt, Guam, Guatemala, Hong Kong, India, Indonesia, Israel, and that's just to I, and then a bunch of other ones after that. So Did you list the states. So yeah, I mean we're the this is um, uh, it, I mean it's nationwide. This the, this okay, so. this product is very common. Similac wow. PM. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So, so it's only one of the lot with, uh, you know, two specific lot codes, but I mean, I, I read a couple of things about this. Um, I think I, I might've sent you this um, where, well, yeah. and, you know, one, one thing that is also really weird is there's also one salmonella infection, right? Yeah. And so what that says to me is anytime you have more than one strain or more than one genus involved that's a major screw up right so uh, this does this is i i think this might be just the tip of the iceberg right um yeah and and if and if it is what moves us to change uh you know to to, well and i guess this would be where it would be good to have to bill on the call like so um what is it? I mean, how do you, is there a way, is there a legal way to make something nationally reportable, right? Or do we have to just go state by state and, and get each state to make it reportable, right? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about the, the regulatory landscape. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and, you know, the, this is one where, um, oh, so here's the, let me give you the, I'll see if I can find the original that I saw, but this, it doesn't just affect infants. Um, this, this has, um, the oh, yeah. Similac PM 6040 low iron infant formula. It's for infants who would benefit from lowered mineral intake, including those with impaired renal function use under medical supervision. I read an article, um, where it was like a child that was maybe, you know, eight or 10 years old, who this was the only, mm-hmm. because of other issues related to, um, you know, other health issues, this is the only food that this child could eat. So now all of a sudden, this is literally the only thing that's on the market for this right. person. Right. And, right. and so now what do you do? Right. Like this, the, um, man, um, the, the other thing that I, um, I won't, I won't out this person, but one of our listeners who you, you know, and I know, um, does a lot of, uh, outbreak management and recall effectiveness checks, um, at a state agency. And this is the type of product that also makes its way to food banks and, um, and, and food pantries because, you know, we, you know, I, I think, um, think about like underserved populations and um, food disparity. There, there, there's a lot of um, attention provided to infants, and so making sure that you know there, there's infant formula available in those um, through those systems. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a really like I don't know messy system. I think I've shared this from some work that we did here a couple of years ago. It's like 800 or 900. Um, distribution organizations in North Carolina um, that that are like official. And then you look at 
um, you know, schools and churches, sort of unofficial ones, you're probably talking at, you know, multiple thousand places where, where this product could still be because it's got a long shelf life sitting at, you know, a church in, you know, in a rural place in North Carolina. And, and so right. now you've got to do it, make sure it's not there. Right. Like right. it's, it's a right. big, this is a big problem. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. But yeah, your, your point about like dual contamination is, is interesting. And it's not surprising at all to me that um, dual pathogen contamination or multiple pathogen contamination. It's not surprising that it's salmonella that that's also being seen here because of that low moisture food, you know, connection, but what's going like, what's going on, right? Like, man, whew. Uh, I don't know. It's all, it's always stresses me out when we talk about these ones. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. This, these are, this is tough. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about something else. Um, oh yeah. I got another one for you. Another, like, uh, we're catching up on stuff that's in here. Every once in a while, I sit on my iPad and I read the the Apple News and things, and I just drop things into our folder. So, I um, saw this article. Put this in here. Um, switching gears a little bit. Uh, an award-winning pitmaster shares ten ten tips for cooking over an open flame. <laughs> okay, so I like this, right? Like for me, oh, this is an article I'm going to read. Why am I going to read it? Well. I'm interested in who the pit master is. Uh, I want to know what kind of stuff they're making. And then master general. Yeah. Right. Right. Pit master general. And then I want to go and see how much food safety do they get wrong? Like just cynically, that's where that that's right. where I'm coming from. So Don, I want to report here that this one surprised, like really surprised me. So it's first right of all, the second bullet point, it's right there. That says food safety is extremely important, both raw meat and cooked temperatures. Yep. Wow. So good for you. This good is from Pitmaster. James Beard award-winning Pitmaster and Cook McGrother, Rodney Scott. Don, can I tell you that I've eaten in oh. Rodney Scott's South Carolina restaurant? And in fact, the picture, I think I sat at the table that he's sitting at. <laughs> I think this is exactly where I ate when I nice. when I ate there. Um, so yeah, this like I've seen Rodney Scott talk about a lot of things over the, he's, be, he's become like probably over the last five years, one of the more influential modern barbecue um, pit masters in the Southeast. Um, certainly all over North Carolina, South Carolina, people know who, who Rodney Scott is and Rodney Scott's whole heart, whole hog barbecue, which is in a strip mall right next to a food line. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. So he opened it in 2017. I think I was there in 2018. It was like one of those places where you, it was, we were in line for like 45 minutes. It was amazing. Really, really worth it. Fantastic food. But this is not the first time that I've seen him talking about food safety. And I'm like, man, this guy gets it. He's the kind of guy that we, you know, that we need, we just need him to talk need, more about. Yeah, it. yeah we need him. Yeah. So yeah, Scott says food safety is extremely important with both raw meat and cooked temperatures. Um, let me see the, uh, exactly what he says about safety here. Cause I thought it was pretty good. Um, 
It's important to make sure you're serving meat that's cooked to a safe temperature, Scott says. Sometimes cooks may be inclined to show that they don't need a thermometer to know when their food is done. Done. But Scott says, check your ego when it comes to food safety. <laughs> don't be embarrassed to not be a professional. Pointed out that many thermometers have a label on the back that indicates the safe temperature for different proteins, which could save you the step of looking up the information on the internet. So he said he did acknowledge some people do have a good idea about the meat's doneness just by feeling it with your hands. If you're a touchy-feely person, great. It means you got it down pat. But still, temp to make sure. Smart dude. Loved it. Loved this. Mm -hmm. yep. So, yeah. One of those, like, oh, I can't believe... I, I, Don, I was looking for bad information and I came away surprised, surprised and I, I'm very yeah. happy with it. Yeah. Um, okay. So there is a couple, there's a little bit of feedback in here. There's one, one we, I know we haven't done. So let's, let's do this one. Okay. Um, well, you know, before we do that, can I talk about something before I forget? Of course. So Ben, do you know what, is CCFH? <laughs> I know, I know what is CCFH because you told me uh, the other the other day, uh, and I can't remember the exact text that you sent me, but it made me laugh <laughs> that you were. Yes, it is the uh, something uh, Codex Council on Food Hygiene, Codex Committee on Food Hygiene. You know, so as we like to say on this podcast. Um, there's two things that you never want to do that you never want to see being made laws and sausages. And then what we add always, I always add mentally in my mind is laws about sausages. And so I have <clears throat> uh, this week for the better part of, well, I would say some of a portion of each, potentially a portion of each morning, starting on Sunday morning from eight until 11, I have attended the Codex Committee on Food Hygiene virtual event. And so for listeners that might not know um, that there is this thing uh, called Codex Alimentarius, which is uh, basically a set of international food standards. These are developed by uh, FAO and WHO in conjunction with uh, uh, country governments uh, around the around the world, and the these standards include food safety standards, and the food safety standards in particular are set by the Codex Committee uh, on Food Hygiene, and so it's I am participating nominally as part of the delegation from the Institute of Food Technologists because they have a bunch of people that are interested in this. There's any, any NGO can have a, 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 a representation, um, NGO non-government organization. So IAFP could have a Codex Alimentarius, send a Codex Alimentarius representative, but they just don't historically. And so anyway, um, I got to listen to a friend of, the, friend of ours and, and friend of the pod uh, cast, uh, Jeff Lejeune, who currently works for FAO right, uh, right now, used to be uh, originally from Canada, used to work at Ohio, the Ohio State University, now works for the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations. Um, and actually good, also a good friend of uh, the guy that we had on the podcast uh, last time, Larry Goodrich. So uh, yeah, so Jeff is at uh, FAO and then, um, yeah, and it's just been, and, oh, and then our, uh, speaking of IAFP, IAFP officer and also a friend of mine, uh, and I maybe a friend of yours, Emilio, we talked about this, uh, Emilio Estevez, Mil Mil Martin yeah. Sheen. Martin Sheen, Emilio Estevez, yeah, yeah. 
Emilio Esteban um, from uh, USDA and also IAFP board member is the current chair of the Codex Committee on Food Hygiene. And Emilio is a wonderful, wonderful man who is, uh, he's just definitely very, uh, he's just got that hot Latin um, vibe going and he just, he tries so hard to be diplomatic and, and he, but you can tell he's just, he's just inside, he's just jumping up and down. So anyways, and of course, our friend uh, Jenny Scott is there as the chair of the or the head of the US delegation. And so it's, it's been it's been a fun way to spend um, the mornings when I'm walking my dog and eating my breakfast. That's, that's cool. And so anyway, what do you, I want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, well, what are you? So what are you talking about? Like, tell me about the so I'm how, how does this? How is it similar? And how does it differ from CFP? Right. And so it is it is similar in that it's people painstakingly writing documents line by line, right? Um, it's different in that there's not really any voting, okay? Mm. And so there are fewer topics that are covered. And really, they're not talking, I guess they ultimately are talking about amending the uh, Codex uh, Alimentarius, but it's a much more, much slower paced and much more deliberative. And there's and it's it's all it's it's all countries, right? So it, at uh, at conference for food protection, it's industry and government and a little bit of academia thrown in. Um, here, it is all countries, and everybody is so polite and so respectful. Uh, it's very it's very it's a so it's a slower pace than mm. CFP for sure. Um, and so, uh, like on Sunday, uh, there was an update from the uh, Joint Expert uh, Committee on uh, Microbiological Risk Assessment, talking about the work that they've been doing on shigatoxigenic E. coli. And specifically, they're writing three annexes on raw beef, raw milk, raw cheese, and fresh leafy vegetables. Um, the, uh, yeah, on Monday, uh, it was a bunch of different stuff, including uh, draft guidance on the management of biological foodborne outbreaks. And so, again, guidance to countries on how you manage an outbreak, right? And so, uh, uh, let's see, uh, Tuesday was the uh, uh, proposed draft decision tree. And I had to text, oh, and our friend, good friend of ours, uh, Donna Guerin is also there uh, rep representing uh, her, her trade association. And so I texted to her at one point, um, I have uh, something, something derogatory about decision trees. Like, I think they're terrible, except it was more, it was funnier than that. But anyway, decision trees are terrible. Um, and then uh, today, yesterday was, like, oh, maybe today they tabled it, more discussion of the document that was introduced on Sunday. And then uh, we, and we also talked about uh, draft. We, I think today we did talk about proposed draft guidance for safe use and reuse of water in food production. Um, and so, yeah, so those are the topics that we've talked about. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm interested, you know, the, the outputs of this do have impacts, right? Like people end up pointing to those codex rules, like ones that I, I remember, you know, learning about when I was learning about food safety and um, as a student sort of looking at, well, how has this looked across different countries? And that can sometimes form the shape and basis of policy in, you know, and for me, my standpoint in Canada or here in the U S and sometimes not right. Sometimes it's directional where right. the U S is, is sort of 
or Canada's is driving what Codex is is doing. Um, so that is, I'm I'm sure it's really interesting to hear different perspectives. Um, and and you know we we have been part of you know a, a couple of different groups where we're talking about the different you know the uh, different ways to look at the same hazards and the risks that they pose, either, whether it's around listeria in frozen foods or whether it's um, you know uh, SARS-CoV-2 in food, right? Like, so it's it's really interesting to, to um, I'm sure, to be part of that process. And are you, are you like, did you get invited? Like, are you like an official oh. delegate? Or are you there listening? How is it like? Yeah, I'm, I'm official. I'm not the, I'm, I'm part of the IFT delegation. Gotcha. I'm not the, the head of delegation. And it's really only the head of delegation that is supposed to talk. Right. And mm. really they want to hear from, well, and like uh, ICMSF, our friend Michelle is part of ICMSF. Uh, she's not at this meeting, but Leon Corus, who's at ICMSF, he's, he's there as the head of delegation for ICMSF, for example. So, um, so they want to hear from member companies. They want to hear from countries first, right? Um, and then they want to, and then from NGOs. And so if I wanted to say something, I think I would have to go through the head of delegation, which is uh, Jim Dixon. But but Jim, I don't think he's, I don't think he listens to the podcast and he also doesn't have his it's you have to it's like it's like at the the virtual cfp you had to rename yourself with your appropriate credentials and jim has listed himself as part of the u.s delegation i don't think he is i think he's the head of the ift delegation um so but if i so if i wanted to say something i would have to go through jim to say it i think so but mostly but i'm not i i'm like i don't i don't have i don't i have opinions but i don't I don't really, this is a, yeah, this is not something where I, here's the thing. If I worked at FDA, I would be all over this and I would be happy to be involved and I would be much more engaged. I wouldn't be walking my dog and eating my breakfast. Right. I I just, it's just like, again, I just enjoy the process. um, And I enjoy the silliness and how long it takes to do something trivial, but I like the personal interaction and the back and forth. And it's, it's fun to see which countries will say something after another country. Right. And, and some people just want to say, I support, the the this country or i support what this what they just said it's very like all of the i noticed all of the latin american countries tend to support each other right like and and the the brazil is highly engaged the woman from brazil is super smart and she's said a bunch of really really good stuff and she's chair of one of the the subcommittees and so and whenever she says something and and then a lot of other countries want to south american countries want to come and say yeah we support what brazil said you know because they don't want to you know they, it's, it's 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 fun to watch the back and forth and and you know, and you've seen this too i'm sure like some you'll put a paragraph up on the screen and any comments any comments no comments Oh wait, one comment, and then and then and oh. then the more you start to edit it, yeah. the more people feel like, oh, all right, wait a minute, now I'm getting in here, I got something to say, and then yeah. it's just like, oh, and then Emilio was like, we really have to move along. Please. If we're changing something, let, let's yeah. change this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So anyway, it's 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 just it's just it's just fun, right? And it's and it's fun to like at CFP. It's gonna be, I mean, especially if I'm since I'm chairing Council Three now. Um, did, have I given you an update on all that? No, but I, I mean, I, I'm on the, I, I'm yeah. on the executive. Oh, no, you're, you're, yeah. co- you're copied on all that. So you haven't been following yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. 
so it's it, it's going to be a it's going to be a lot of work because I'm going to have to wrangle all these cats at the meeting. But but I'm looking forward to it. But this is this is this is fun. This is like you know, eat your breakfast, walk your dog, entertainment, and it's probably entertaining only to a very limited number of people. But it's it's fun to it's fun to see my friends get up there and say stuff, right? Like I mean, Jenny's so great. She's just so smart and and so capable and and just really good at her job. It's just fun to watch her do her job, you know. See, this is the kind of stuff I hear you get excited about that will keep your busy male or busy cow <laughs> problem from being like for making Thank you retire, you. right? Like, oh yes. Oh, for well, here I could I here the, the the fun parts of my job I could Ben I could do that um, after I retire, but but I I mean somebody needs to be graduate program director. Somebody needs yeah. to. Oh God, don't even get me started about the external review of the department. Um, but yeah, somebody needs to do the not fun stuff. But and it might as well be me. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, you caught yeah. me, me. You know the caffeine has kicked in. Um, I I brought a bottle of wine here to like oh. uncork at some point. You know if Marla was going. Oh. So I may un- uncork the wine. It's it's four thirty ish. Um. So yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I only have one more thing I want to tell you about, and then okay. I think we can probably call it a show. There's um sure. some good feedback, or like not. Just uh, we, you got you were going back and forth with someone on a question for risky or not that we're not going to um, talk about today because it's in okay. the it's in the list. But there's a side note, and this comes to us from um, I uh, I don't know deep. Uh, we'll call him deep camping. Um, and deep, oh yes, yeah, deep camping wrote a side note um in in this uh and he's he understands um us on so many levels and i'll say i'll I'll read the last part of his message first thanks for the great shows i run the food service division of a small c-store chain and i spend a fair amount of time driving to work in between kitchens food safety talk gets me through a fair amount of that time and i learn it's a topic i'm interested in and your other talk connects as well i'm a scout leader been to philmont played hockey and my son is playing hockey now i have family in hockey or sorry i have family in canada and i know that they pronounce portage incorrectly is that <laughs> is that how you is that incorrect is that how you would pronounce you would pronounce it differently wait tell me what's the word i Port, I, I remember portage. the discussion it's about isn't that the when you carry a canoe from lake to lake portage port, portage you're portaging portage, portage. Portage, portage is that's a, just on the first syllable yeah, portage, portage is that's a street in winnipeg but when you're <laughs> when you're carrying a canoe oh, it's, it's a, portage it's a portage it's french yeah yes, it's, it's french yeah, yeah. it's yeah. from the courier de bois uh <laughs> yeah should have said quoi yeah anyway so anyway um deep deep camping wanted to comment on our um excellent episode with chef matt collins and so he said in your recent discussion with the chef um, you talked about health inspections. Um, and he said, I just deleted a long-winded pontification on health inspections, which that's fine. We should actually maybe have deep camping on to talk to talk about that. But he said, I've worked in hundreds of kitchens in dozens of states, and nowhere else has kitchens as clean and well run as Minnesota. And the state doesn't give scores on health inspections. So I thought that was kind of cool. Like yeah. his, his, you know, his as N of many. But his perspective yeah. is, um, you know, this is a place that that really takes food safety seriously in those kitchens, which is really cool. Um, yes, that's that's very good. 
Uh, yeah. And he said, uh, one more comment, the tale of the manager putting everyone on break when the inspector walks in. It's so sad to hear that that manager should be handing over operations to the assistant and following the inspector everywhere to learn what can be done better. So I'll follow up because this was my story mm-hmm. and it wasn't the manager. It was the owner. So there's no, he's not handing over operations to anyone. This is just how right. we ran his restaurant. Um, and so he says, and if the inspector is wrong, be there to intelligently argue the point. The inspector's job is to err on the side of caution and they can't know everything. Our job is to understand our craft and point to the point where we can explain how, uh, how our process is safe. Try to dodge an inspector is such a waste of valuable resource. I couldn't agree more like deep camping, very wise comments, but yeah, this was a, a cool piece of feedback, but we'll be getting to, um, his camping question in a future risky or not episode. Yeah, is that is that the one about? Um, uh, well, anyway, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, there's some there, we. Oh, and I have to apologize to all, and I've, I've been apologizing to everybody I've been emailing. Um, I created a rule um, to sort all of our risky or not feedback into a folder, and then I forgot to look at that folder, and so we've had a whole bunch of stuff. So I was wondering, like, why? Well, I haven't really gotten any risk or not feedback. It's like, oh, uh, that's because you're you're getting it. You're not looking at it. So we had a bunch of really great questions. I put them all into the doc. And so hopefully we'll get to those um, soon. Oh, excellent. Okay. Hey, late breaking question. This is real-time follow-up. This won't like hit for another week or so, or maybe a couple of days until I post it. But I'm there was a tweet that we just got tagged in 26 minutes ago. I'm going to read it to you. We need to answer a question. The bat phone, the bat, bat signal bat is signal. out there. And the bat phone is ringing. Okay. Okay. Hey, I'm ready. Quick food safety, hashtag food safety friends. If my fridge went out, do I need to throw out my one commercial garlic in oil, two cream cheese? Temp only got to 48 degrees Fahrenheit and it was out overnight. Looking at you at bug counter at Benjamin Chapman. I, I'm going to say no to both of these. My gut reaction, no pun intended, is no. Um, yeah, so let me let me get this get this tweet up. So, uh, yeah, my fridge went out. My uh, uh, well, not not the cream cheese for sure. Not the cream, I but, I, yeah, but I'm I'm gonna um, go with the the, the commercial type. garlic. Well, no, I don't think so. Yeah, well, I only got the forty eight, and it was out overnight. Because and all I'm gonna yeah. cite something that I shared with. Um, going back to the sushi grade fish, actually, I got another question about like thawing fish in um, in vacuum packaging. And let me pull out the exact data, not data, the exact thing that, and I think this comes from our friends, the, um, I I got to make up a good thing. You know, uh, our, our friend Skinner Larkin, which is I'm like, just gonna, uh, yeah. I was just going to go there. Yes. Yeah. Our, I think our friend Skinner Larkin, which is like, uh, it's it's like um, Creedence Clearwater Revival uh, or uh, Sleater Kinney. Uh, it's a good band name, Skinner Larkin. They, yes. they, uh, they're cited in the FDA seafood hazard guide. Mm-hmm. Um saying, and I'm going to get the exact quote here, Dawn. The minimum temperature growth and toxin formation by CBOT type E and non-proteolytic types B and F is 38 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's the ones that are associated with fish. For type A and proteolytic types B and F, the minimum temperature for growth is 50 degrees Fahrenheit or 10 degrees Celsius. Okay. So I'm going to say that 48 degrees 
is less than 50 degrees. And I do not, <laughs> I'm going to go out on a, on a limb there. And I think that the, the, uh, Sleater Kinney Skinner Larkin would tell us that, um, that, 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 uh, our friend Norner doesn't need to throw that stuff, either of those things out. Yeah. And the only thing I would want to do, I will, I'm why, okay, here we go. I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to find the Skinner Larkin model and I can't find it. So, uh, let's open this up. I really, what I really want to know is, um, for, and let's, uh, let's open this as a PDF in a new tab. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, this, this silver chair watermark, it's bad news. Cause the, 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 PDF link is gets stale after a while, but so anyway, I digress. Um, so, all right. So then 48, uh, 40, what's 48 degree F in C? Uh, let's say it's nine. Okay. C. So it's less I than was, 10. It's all right. So let's say if it's, if it was 10 and you, and it was at 48 degrees the entire time, Okay, so she said it got to 48, right? Yeah. But it, let's let's just say it was at 48 overnight. Um, the time to toxin formation at looking at the, the figure one from the Skinner-Larkin model paper, it's about three days, right? Two and a half days. So so overnight is not two and a half days. So just as you said, 48 is less than 50. I'll say even if there was type E or non-proteolytic bot in there, um, two and a half days is less than 12 hours. So yeah. you're okay. I'm writing this in tweet form right now. We just recorded FST, Skinner Larkin model time to toxin is, is what, three days? Let's say two and a half. I mean, that's eyeballing it, but yeah, I could get, I could get out the actual model, but I'm not going to do that. Um, perfect. And I think the cream cheese, I think cream mm. cheese is a, it's a water activity issue with cream cheese. Well, and what, I mean, I guess she's, she, what's she worried about in the cream cheese is pasteurized, right? Is she worried about bot? Yeah. Uh, okay. what, yeah, I don't know. I, um, or just anything, maybe listeria. Yeah, but it's pasteurized. It shouldn't yeah. be, it shouldn't be there. Right. And so yep. let's say it is bot again, the, the Skinner Larkin model still holds true. Yep. Um, and let's see if I can find out. Oh, I couldn't find it. Yeah. So same with cream cheese. Done. Look at that. We are, we're answering questions. We're, as they say, we're kicking ass and taking names um, in real time here on the internet. <laughs> that's, that, that's a, that's a, that's a term. And I will be referring, do you know when I say Slater Kinney, what that is, Don? It's a band. It's a Canadian it's a band. band. Do you know the do you know who the about the band? Uh is it, is it is there somebody named Slater and then somebody else named Kinney? So no. Um so so is it like is Buffalo it, Springfield? It's it's like Buffalo Springfield again. Uh so Carrie Brownstein is Carrie from Portlandia, is in oh, yeah. Slater Kinney. Also, um, this is something I found out. Um, oh, where is it? There is someone who follows me on Twitter is the sister of one of the former drummers of Slater <laughs> Kinney. 
and it's someone who has commented assistant on food safety to the things. Regional manager. Oh, that's to, cool. Yeah, so we have like there we have a food safety connection to Slater Kinney. Oh, how yeah. good is that? Also, Skinner Larkin is the new Slater Kinney. <laughs> and that's yeah. I, I don't know what else. I think we got to end the show on that because okay. that's yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll awkwardly say bye now, like how I end every episode of Food to Talk with you. Bye. Yeah. this out like i was someone commented on something and tagged the person and they had a they had a uh a a blue check mark and i'm like why what's happening here and then it turns out it was the the, the, yeah it was the drummer i think oh um weiss i think is her name Um, i gotta i gotta figure this out um anyway that's probably more than anybody needs to know uh, but uh, good job. Good job. Um, let's go and look at our calendars. Oh, God. You know, Ben, I got to. Uh, oh, how know, are we going to do this? No, no, calendar. no. It's fine. It's fine. No, because here's the thing, Ben, I got to retrain my fingers oh. because it's control space BU. And that is how I get to my calendar. And that's what my fingers do. It needs to be control space C A enter. You okay? I, I, you I use keyboard shortcuts. Launch, launch bar. Launch bar, baby. Oh man, I don't do any of that. I go, I got my I use it. I'm a touch paddy. I got my touchpad. I, I'm not I almost never use a mouse anymore. I got a big fat magic pad. <laughs> And I go to I go to my icons. That's how I use it. I know I'm I'm like a a basic user of uh, all, all of all of our Mac productivity friends will would look down on me for how I use the internet. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Well, yeah, do, I know. do what works for you. But I but I am so yeah. I was bitching to somebody about the keyboard the other day. But yeah, I'm uh, yeah. I oof, I launch bar baby. Launch Never bar. look back. Never mm. look back. Um, mm. But anyway, I'm in my calendar. As, busy, as in the app called yeah, Calendar, not Busy Calendar, which was broken by Rutgers IT. Broken by Rutgers IT. It's not broken. It's just it's it's dangerous because I gotta I gotta see yeah. the I gotta see the blue appointments and I gotta see the yellow appointments, Ben. Yeah, 
What? And, and the red, the red ones I don't care about, but I can ignore them. Well, and I got the, I got, I got orange, I got green, I got some, mm-hmm. I got some browns. Um, I use the all the orange ones. Those are the ones that appear in the ca- my public calendar. Like uh, people can't see what it is, but they can tell I'm busy, which is a mm-hmm. thing that matters now more. Mm-hmm. Like for me, protect your time. Yeah, well, I protect my time, you, and and also, do you have do you have a, do you have a really- person that? Do you have a person that um, manages your calendar or can see your calendar okay. for you? So I have a person who can manage my calendar um, and can see it. And and I can say, hey, can you find us a time to do this? Because they can also see other people's calendars. Right. So I don't have to do that. But I also, like in my calendar, if I look at next week, I do this sort of in two-week chunks. Mm-hmm. I have three blocks next week that are four hours long that is just called Ben Catch-Up. Which means all of the things that I'm not doing when I'm on meetings, I will do then. Um, so I'm protecting that time. So my my person can go to the outside. It just looks like I'm busy, but right. my person can look at it and say, "Oh, I know it says Ben catch up from, for instance, 11:30 till four next Wednesday. Can we throw something on it? Because because um, my person also knows that it, I would rather not have that in the middle." So it would be, can we throw something on at like 1130 to 1145? I'm like, yep, I can do that. Even though I've blocked Here's the the problem with that, Ben. If too much of that happens. Oh, I know. Ben, Ben's not caught up. True. (laughs) But Don, the, my person is amazing. And she, this is last resort. This is Uh, like, like it's never, uh, um, this is nothing else works. it's, It's like, if if it, if we're cutting into Ben catch up time, it's because if Ben doesn't have this meeting, it's going to cost Ben catch up time more later, right? Yes, like it's yes. A, yeah, yeah. It's just like yeah. It's just like this is uh yeah. This is this is now become this is now become more important than catch up. Yeah. Yeah, and she it. understands the rules that. Oh that, yeah. Like we 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 have established together how we how we're going to do this, and it's oh, and cool. it's yeah, it's going really well. So. Um, okay. Anyway, so um, what, what? So I the, like I have some protected Ben catch up time in two weeks, but that could be replaced by FST, and that's okay because that's part of catch up to me. It's like all the things that I've committed to bef- that, that I need to do. Um, so what what is like the fifteenth look like to you? Um, so the fifteenth, I am talking to our buddy Cliff, who listens to the show, who is helping me with so much stuff. But I'm teaching practical food micro in the morning, but I don't know if, uh, let's see. So we're gonna go to, I'm gonna use my keyboard shortcuts. I'm gonna go to office. I'm gonna go to meetings. I'm gonna look for micro, had to take my hand off the keyboard there. Um, Practical Food Micro 2021. That doesn't seem right. Why not 2022? They haven't sent me a calendar yet. All right. Um, Day one is Carl Matthews. So I am good to go. Uh, I got day two is split. Day three is me. So let me double check. That's that day, that day, and that day. So we're good. So I'm going to say, what time? on and what do i wear yeah (laughs) you you wear what you want um and i have flexibility so much here that i think any time before two o'clock 
is good for me. Oh, okay, cool. Cause I'm, I, I got, I got, I, I'm not available at four, but any other time yeah. works. So yeah. What time um, you want to do it? Yeah. And you need to wrap before two. I need to, yeah, I need to be, I think I'm holding something that is unconfirmed. Um, mm. And it's uh, I just got to go give a talk uh, with material that I already have. Like I know I, there's no preparation time. So I, yeah, I have a heart out at two. Okay. So let's do, whoops. Oh, son of a gun. I don't like calendar, Ben. I want to use oh. busy cow. Um, give me know, my I'm busy cow. New shortcuts, man. I want a new event. I want a new event. Um, uh, at 10 a.m. Uh, yep. on March 15th. Uh, no, it's going to be called Food Safety Talk. I want a new event. FST expand. Why is that not working? FS. Oh, oh, it's red. No, it's not good. Oh, Ben, I don't know how to use this app. It's so terrible. Food safety talk. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> this is, I'm really triggered. This here. is why right. this is um, in, the, in the after show. Food safety talk. Expand. What the hell? Oh, my God. 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock um, Eastern time. I'm going to, I will, I just made a, a little OmniFocus uh, thing to ask Marler to see if he can do that. Oh, cool. Good idea. Yeah. That's, that's, that, that's like seven o'clock his time, though. Yeah, well, I'm not even going to tell him that. <laughs> Just going to tell him seven o'clock. Don't, Don't tell him, him 10 o'clock because he'll mess that up. Yeah, seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. Everything's on the on the West Coast time. Um, okay, cool. I think we're I think that's a show. I still can't get this in my calendar. I'm, I'm going to write this down on a piece of paper. Oh, no. Okay. This You now, yeah. things have gone March. really bad here. It's fine. March, because as soon as I hang up the call, as soon as I navigate away from the screen, I'm going to forget. March 15th, 10 to 12, FST. Yep. All right. Done. I, 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 this is bad. You know, here's the thing, Ben. It's going to be a blue appointment. So I could go into Busy Cal and I could make it. Yeah, but you don't want to. But I don't want to do that. I no. want to just, I want, I want Busy Cal to work or I want to be done with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, this, it, it should just work. That's, and I'm like, I, I can't tell you how out of sorts I would be if, if all of a sudden my calendar didn't work anymore. Like I'm, I'm with you. This, that, that would be very bad. Just now, now I've made an all day appointment on October 12th. <laughs> that's a different one. <laughs> that's a different, that's a different it's in show. yellow, Ben. It's in yellow. Oh. What has happened to my calendar? Oh no. Oh my oh, no. God. Mm. I, this is such a mess, Ben. I don't know. I don't even know why my fingers don't, my fingers, my brain. I've only had, I've only had a half of a small glass of wine, Ben, and I can't function. You're, you're cut off. Um, what was that thing that annoying guy says, Steve Bannon? Oh, I don't my know. hands back on my tools. Oh yeah, that's right. My hands. Yeah. Get my hands on my tools. Oh, he's so creepy. He wears three shirts, man. He's very <laughs> you don't need to listen to this. I'll, you can. I'll let you go. He's very sweaty. He's very sweaty. He's very dirty. He's very. Gets, he's sweaty, got a lot very of dirty. Yeah, he's got a yeah. lot of sweat that needs to be soaked up by his shirts. Oh, oh this right. was fun. Oh All yeah, right. it was good. Okay, cool. I will talk to you later. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. You too. Bye.